You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, um, uh, this is Gonic Literature, and tonight, as we are still in the Shiva of one of the Manhige Ador, who passed away last week, on last Tuesday morning, uh, Rav Yerachmiel Gershon Edelstein, known as Rav Gershon, Yerachmiel Gershon ben Rav Tzvi Yehuda, um, who was Zoha to have the Richas Yomim of living 100 years, and also to be, especially in the last year, since the Petir of Rechaim Kanievsky, Zechad Tzadik V'Kodesh Rovarocha, was seen as the Manig of Haredi Judaism, and actually, even since the Petir of Rebel Yoshev, about 11 years ago, uh, he had taken a much stronger role in Hanhagos Hatzibur. In many ways, Rav Gershon Edelstein, uh, because of his modest nature and because of his Mesira to the Shiurim in Ponovich in the Yeshiva, where he had been a Rosh Hashiva for so many years, um, official Rosh Hashiva for almost 70 but he'd been working in the yeshiva for, you know, over 75 years as a Rebbe, as a teacher. Um, he, in many ways, was overshadowed and not as well known. Um, and uh, as I was reading about him and reading material that he had written and spoken about, uh, an idea came to me that I think ties in very neatly into our the purpose of our of our classes. The topic is nominally the Masechtas Ketanot, the Masechtas Ketanot of Shas. If you're looking at the screen here, you can see, here they are. Now, I'm going to knock out Avis Rabbi Nosan. Um, Avis Rabbi Nosan, we pretty much have an idea of what that is. Thanks to the scholarship of Rabbi David Tzvi Hoffman and others, we know that this is the Perke Avos, Braisos, of Mesechtas Avos, of the of the Mishnayos uh, coming from Bovel, uh, from the Reish Galus's family, was going to create his own Mishnah the same way Rebbe was. In other words, a pared down version of the Halochos in a way that they could be studied and remembered, uh, mostly by heart being said over, and Perkei Ovos, we can actually um, construct what the Ovos of Rabbi Nelson was. And W.C. Hoffman, in his wonderful essay, already did that, uh, showing by comparing Ovos to Rabbi Nelson to Perkei Ovos, where it was Yehuda Hanosi's mission different than Rabbi Nelson's. The Ovos to Rabbi Nelson are the Brises on those Mishnayos. The other... Um, and, and and I I have to say that although this is the Barilan um, CD, uh, the Barilan um, Responsive Project, and Barilan is obviously an Orthodox institution. The names here are names not necessarily, as you can see, the editors of these Masechtas Ktanos, the way they're calling them, were all people that were actually connected to the conservative Masechtas Derecheretz, Masechtas Kusim. Right, Masechtas Kala and Kala Rabosai too, Masechtas Mezuzah, Masechtas Sofrim, Masechtas Sefer Torah, Masechtas Avodim, Masechtas Tzitzis, Masechtas Smochos, Masechtas Tefillin. 
Now, this is the order alphabetically, which is part of what the Barilon database always does. Um, if you go to the actual Gemara itself, if you would look into the way these Masechtos are printed, after Ovis the Rabnosan, they usually print Masechta Sofrim, and you can see that here on the page. And after Masechta Sofrim is usually um, Masechta Smochos. Um, and it follows from there, I think Masechta Sterech Eretzen. I think then after Masechta Smochos, I think it might be Masechta Scala. Not 100% sure. Um, but you can open up your standard Shas and you can see that. Now these Masechtos, what are they? Now, they got into the printing of the Shas. They were part of the 16th century printing of Shas, but where are they from? In many ways, they differ from the Halacha in the Bavli and near Shalmi. We know that there are a lot of Chidushim, especially Masech the Sofrim, that really direct you about what are some of the Dinam of Tefillah. I'll mention one that has no, um, it's not mentioned in Talmud Bavli at all. And yet the post Alochas say that you can be Samech on it, where it says you have six people davening. If you have six people that are doing Shemayin Esrei, even though four are not, that's, that's considered Tefillah B'Tzibur, and you can do the complete Tefillah B'Tzibur with them. It's based on a statement of Masech to Sofrim, which uh, its parallel is not really found, although there's some you know, things which are clues to the same approach. And some places, Mesech the Sofrim, in terms of, for example, what is the Kriya Satira on the holidays and what we read, um, you know, the Mesech the Sofrim has a different order of Kriya than we know from the Mishnayas and the Gemara Mesech Megillah. And yet we follow Mesech the Sofrim. Um, so what is it? We're, we're, who put it together? Is it post-Talmudic? And if it's post-Talmudic, by who? By when? So this is really uh, a, a, a great question. And perhaps, you know, a complete answer might be difficult to obtain. But I will tell you that one of the problems in questioning, in this question, is the assumption that they're all from the same era. The fact that they were all printed together and they found this collection in manuscript doesn't necessarily mean that each work was authored and edited at the same time. Um, this was not always what everybody knew. Uh, again, as as scholarship um, has developed in what we call Wissenschaft im Judentums, the basically this you know doing taking uh, a scholarly approach uh, to Jewish literature and Jewish writings. Um, things have altered, and, and, and the answers are a lot more subtle and nuanced than people had thought originally. For example, um, when it comes to the Mesechtas Ketanos, which are a collection of, of halachos, brysos, mostly the names of Tanoim, um, you know, one wonders, okay, as we said, who put it together? So there was a theory that was offered by Gratz, Heinrich Gratz, uh, one of the greatest of the Jewish historians, and he, he he put this theory forth in his German history of the Jews. And it was based on some research that was done by someone that we've talked about in this year, uh, Shlomo Yehuda Rappaport. Sheer. Now, what was that? I'll, I'll, I'll briefly summarize what the research was and what Gratz says. Basically, uh, one of the things that Rappaport uh, 
battled over, you know, and and and, and tried to champion an idea which seems that he's wrong about, but he wanted to prove that the Ka'onim, who we've been studying, really were not that uh, heavy and didn't really, weren't even aware of the text of the Yerushalmi the way we have it. Um, we know they were dismissive of the Psak of, Psak of the Yerushalmi, uh, even of those that, that brought it forth. The question was, were they Bikiyim in the Yerushalmi? Part of being a Ga'on was, was almost encyclopedic knowledge uh, photographic memory type knowledge of all your learning. The Meiri says a Gaon is Gematria 60. You have to know all 60 Mesechtas by heart. Well, did they know the Yerushalmi or not? So, of course, we've talked about this before. And Rappaport uh, made uh, the, the, the very stark claim that even Rafai, who was sort of at the end of the period of the Gaonim, was somewhat unfamiliar with Yerushalmi's. Uh, again, we've, we've shown from other sources that 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 Rappaport over, over stood, overspoke the case. But what was Rappaport's proof? There was a um a chuva from Rav Hai about um uh, about rats and other things falling into oils and wine and the humra that Claudiusro had regarding that. Now um Rav Haigon had heard that in certain places they were being machmir, that you needed to have a thousand times more of the material to be mavatil, the the rat material that had fell, fallen in. Obviously, it's a chumr de rabonan. It's not a midarais, of course, the, 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 the material can be consumed. So Rav Haigon, the last of the gonim, wrote that, hmm, where's, where does this come from? He says, I'm not sure. But then I, I heard that there's a, in the in the Sefer Maisim, the, the, the Sefer HaMaisim of, uh, of uh, the Sefer HaMaisim of Eretz Yisrael, it says that they were machmir on uh, of, of, uh, of when a rat falling in to be, uh, you needed a thousand times more to be mavatal. Um, now, the Rabbi Shaya Ditrani, the Tesis Rit, who we've spoken about here, uh, quotes in his book Sefer HaMachria, which is a collection of Psalkim, this tshuva of Rav Hai. And he says, it's strange that it says in the Yerushalmi Mefurish, in Avodazor, the Yerushalmi says Mefurish, that, that this should be the case, that there were Amaroyim that were Machmir. So Rappaport takes the uh, assumption from there that Rav Hai was not familiar with Yerushalmi. And even if someone as great as Rav Hai wasn't familiar, it's novel when we see someone like Rav Nisim Gon of Karawon, who wasn't technically a Gon, dealing with the Yerushalmi, you see that uh, Yerushalmi was making a comeback. But the Gonim almost, you know, lim- that was Rappaport's theory. Okay. Gratz read this. And Gratz was... Um, Got this idea of what is this safer hamaisim of of of, of Eretz Yisrael? What, what does that mean? What is a book of Maisim, a book of psalkim? Maisim doesn't mean a storybook. Maisim means psalkim lamaisa day in and day out, not wondrous stories. There's some sort of safer. Okay, then Gratz discovered another well-known safer that was printed in the Sefer Ayuchasen uh, from Avram Sakuto called uh, the back of it called Seder. Uh, and it's a list of, of from of 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 uh, it, it takes you from the, from the beginning of the Tanoim to the Amaroyim and down 
uh, into some of the uh, Rabban Savroi and the Gaonim. And it mentions there who were the last Rabban and Savroi. And then afterwards, it mentions Rabbi Yoynason was Sof Maase. That's what it says in the Seder Tanayim Vamaroyim. Sof Maase. So Gratz theorizes that Sof Maase means Rabbi, the same way the last two mentions. It says Rabbi Zakai was the end of the Savroyim. And we know those were the sort of the editors of the Shas. We know, of course, from our genealogy, from our chronology, that we have Tanoyim, Amaroyim, Savroyim, and then Gaonim that that really arise basically in the period uh, of when Muhammad, uh, Muhammadism begins, Islam begins, which is, you know, in the year, in, in the mid-seventh mid century. That's really when we start talking about Gaonim uh, the way, you know, as opposed to Rabon and Savroy period of the Gaonim. So Gratz theorizes that the Rabbonin Savroi, and after them, there came this period, the beginning of the period of the Gaonim, called the period of the Maisim, and Rabbi Yonason was the author of that. Now, again, this wasn't Eretz Yisrael. This was not in, 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 in Bovel, where the Gaonim were. But it was during that same period, right as the period of the Gaonim was happening, we had the B'nai Eretz Yisroel putting together Piske Halacha, called the Sefer Hamaisim. And Rabbi Yenison was the last of them. Now, what was he putting together? So Gratz theorizes these, these Besechtos Ktanos represent what at the beginning of the Gaonic period, what the B'nai Eretz Yisrael were working on as their sort of later Mishnayas, sort of a Mishnayas after Mishnayas. Um, now, that was that was Grazia's theory. And uh, it has, it was an interesting one. And it has been basically punctured and shot down. But it, it, it started this conversation as to when these Mesechtos were actually put together. What are when were they? And as you can see here on the on the screen, the name Higar is here. Michal Higar was uh, was again uh, worked in the at the seminary, and he was one of the great uh, scholars of the first uh, of the, the the first three decades of the twentieth century. He doesn't get as much pub, of course, as 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 some of the other JTS scholars like Finkelstein and, um, of course, Louis Ginsburg and Shaw Lieberman, but his work uh, is 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 almost perfection in terms of his intellectual honesty, and in dealing with uh, where these mesechtas were, what how they are different than where do we find commonality to their source material. Um, he was working in America, and at that time, America was considered a little bit, in the 20s and 30s, a little bit of a backwater. It wasn't like the the, the, Rabban, the, the scholars in Germany or even in what was happening in Eretz Yisrael. But Higer did his work, Michal Higer, and he did his work, and he indicated that these Mesechtos, they all come from, they all have a different provenance. And I want to share with you... Um, what we talk uh, specifically about Masechta Smochos. That, of course, is the Masechta that deals with something, and it's a very long one. It's 14 Prokim. And just like Masechta's Kala, which deals with 
Baruch Hashem, the happy parts of life of people getting married. Masech Tesmachos is 14 prokim that are a guide to many, many different aspects dealing with uh, death. Uh, the as, as, as Higer points out, the Gemara in, in a number of places refers to something called Ava. And we know that Rav Nachman, Rav Papa, and Rafam Bar Papa all refer to something called what it says in Evo Rabosai. What does it say in Evo Rabosai, which is Evel, which means the laws of Avelus, the big version of the laws of Avelus. Now, none of those statements that are found in, in the, when the Gemara quotes of Evo Rabosai are found in what we have, what has come down to us in, in, in Mesech Tesmachos. So it sounds like whatever Evo Rabosai was, which was known by the Amaroyim, is not what we have in, in front of us. Um, Higer discovered, and it wasn't his discovery, but we know that there was a statement by one of the most important Gaonim, Rav Netronoi Gaon, about uh, Evo, about Mesech Tesmachos. And here's what he says. He says, because he was asked, what is Evo Rabose? In other words, the Gaonim were constantly asked about statements in Shas. Um, you know, they wrote commentaries in a way, but not in a organized fashion. People would send questions to the Gaonim as to what did that mean in Shas? What did that term mean? And of course, the Sefer HaAruch was built on many of the answers called from the Gaonim because a lot of the questions that people had that they were sending from all the places that Jewish communities were developing back to um, Iraq, back to the seat of the Gaonate, were simple teich words. What does this phrase mean? What did that mean? So one of the questions that they asked Rav Trinoy was, well, what is that Evo Rabbasai that's mentioned three times in Talmud Bavli? So look what Rav Trinoy answered. He says, he says, Evel is what? Is Mesechta, it's a Mesechta, it's a Mishnahi. Now, that sort of gives the impression that it's it's very old. It's from Mishnayis. And there's Hilchos Avelus in there. We know the third parak of Moed Kata, and the thing that you're allowed to learn on Tisha B'av and while you're sitting Shiva, has many of those halachos in there. In other words, what we can find in the third parak in Gemara, in Moed Katan, you can find in Mesechtas Mochos, or Evo Rabosai, as he calls it. Vishtayim But the reason it's called Rabosai is because one is a larger collection and one is a smaller collection. So this is one of the earliest mentionings that we have. Now, Rafter Trinoy, living in, 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 in the ninth, early in the ninth century. So does that mean, um, sounds like it was a safer he was familiar with in some case, right? But did, did he mean that it was from the time of the Mishnah, um, you know, what what can we assume as far as that goes? Um, he was also asked, by the way, Rabbi Trinoy, about when the Gemara mentions Eliyahu Rabbah and Eliyahu Zuta, because the Gemara does mention those. What are they? And here he says clearly, those are Mishnayas Chitzoniyasein. Those are Mishnayas that never made it into the real Mishnah. And um, and he talks about how many prokim there are. He says Elio Raba is 13 prokim. Elio Zuta is 12 prokim. And he says you can find any time it says the words in Gemara, Tony Debe Eliyahu, you're going to find them in that collection. Now, 
did Neutronoi believe that they existed from the time of when the Mishnayos were put together? That's really the question here. Does he believe Mesechtas Mochos comes from the time and was put together by, by the Mishnah, by, by, by the Masadria Mishnah, or during the time of Rebbe? Is that how old it is? So this is really, again, it, it's hard to know. This goes totally against Gratz, because Gratz, of course, thought it was much later. He believed that it was almost 500 years later that these, uh, these what we have was put together, that it's Gaonic material. The Gaonim themselves seem to call it Mishnah material. Or maybe they mean that, you know, maybe there was an original Mishnah material, but it's been altered and it's been developed. One thing that Heger uh, has, I think, shown with his research is that whoever put it together, Gratz was right that it was somewhat from the B'nai Eretz Yisrael, close, were based on Mishnayos and Brysos, but, all, but, but were altered, were changed. Were changed, and, 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 and it was authored, the basic structure of many of these Mesechtas was done in Eretz Yisrael during the period of the Rabban and Savaroi into the period of the Gaonim, and then brought to Bovel. And people like Rav Trunoi became familiar with them. And in Bubble also, there was some alteration done to it. And in a way, either aligning it or inserting sections that, we've, that we saw already in Talmud Bavli, but not always the same. And therefore, as I, it really depends which sefer. Do we paskin like Mesechta Smochos when it comes to Hilchas Avelis? One of the most important parts of Mesechta Smochos, which we're not going to talk about tonight, is how you deal with suicides. Uh, because the material contained in the, the, that Mesechta, so to speak, is not found in Bavli and Yerushalmi. And for many people, that actually directs what the Hanoga should be when someone commits suicide and how Shiva is enacted. I actually want to, because we, I want to get to Rav Gershon Edelstein's explanation, I actually want to zero in on another, a specific parak in Mesechtas Smochos. And the parak I want to talk about is the eighth parak of Mesech Parak is almost completely about Rabbi Akiva. And it talks about Rabbi Akiva's marshal of, of four types of, four types of, men who served God. I'll read a little bit of that. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Dalit Bonim Lamelech. There's four sons that a king could have and who get punished by the king. Echad Luka Vishoisik. There's one who gets beaten, gets punished, and just takes it. Echad Luka Mavayat. One gets beaten and Pushes back, is angry, is 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 aggressively go, acts aggressively back against the father. Echad luka umeschanin, one gets takes the beaten, but then appeals to the one who's beating him and and begs for to for it to stop and that he'll change. The echad luka one gets beaten and he says, "Hit me some more." Bomer love of Halkani. Avram was the one who gets this incredible clop. You must kill your son, and he's quiet. 
the 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 Brisa here Masechta Smocho says <laughs> he should have said something. He could have said, or he had the right to say, or he could have said, yesterday you're telling me he's my son, and now you're telling me I have to kill him? But yet he didn't. Eov, as great of a tzaddik as he was, complained. As he says, you know, autarshieni. In other words, he said, no, you know, don't do this evil to me. I've done nothing wrong. Chizkiyo was knew that he was ill, and he begged God, to take it away and daven to God. David, however, said, I'll take more. <laughs> I need more washing. I need more uh, of this beating for Kapara. Purify me more. And on the heels of Rabbi Kiva's statement, the next section says, Rabbi Kiva said, Ein mevatlin or at least this was Rabbi Kiva's motif, that even though the day the person dies, everything changes when the great person dies, the fact that he's ill, the fact that he's dying, everything goes on. The Lehman goes on. The Seder goes on. The person has to die till we stop learning. When Reb Shimon, Reb Akiva's son, was ill, and by the way, Reb Gershon Edelstein also lost a son in his lifetime, but Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon is going to die, okay? Spoiler ahead. Reb Akiva came and was still teaching. He still kept the learning going while his son was lying very ill. He had a job to do, to run the yeshiva, to give the shiurim. However, he wasn't heartless. He, he investigated what was with him. I guess there was someone who, who was willing, who's learning, perhaps <laughs> he couldn't learn so strong that day anyway. So Rabbi Kiva appointed him to find out what was going on with his son who was ill. The first one came and said, okay, it's hanging. In other words, it's, you can see that illness the the parish says here, the Binyon Yehoshua, two perushim were written, by the way, um, before Higer wrote his, um, you know, uh, scientific edition. And they were both written at the end of uh, the 18th century. And neither of them really went into what we would call the Wissenschaft, the Judentums. They did try to do a job. They both felt, the author of the Binyon Yehoshua and the Nachlas Yaakov, they both felt that this was an area that was and nobody had worked on extensively. In other words, what to explain the Besachtas Ktanos. So independently, they both wrote works, which eventually, um, sort of an edited version of you know some of the stuff got edited when it eventually became part uh, of printed in in the Vilna Shas with the explanations. In other words, it was in the Shas before without any commentary as the Vilna Shas was being readied. For publication in the mid nineteenth century, uh, they basically took you know the best of both of these commentaries and inserted them uh, on the page, and that's where you have here the binyon uh, and the nachlas. So what they say is that it was nitan. It was what was going on that he was nitan that that he's definitely he's not walking around. 
and he's just hanging on to the bed. Okay. Then the third person came and said, it's gotten worse. He said, okay, we're still learning. The shear went on. The third one, the next one came and said, he's a gosis. Meaning it looks like he's already in death's door. He said, Agosis, we're still learning. I know it's, again, <laughs> I'm not here to candy coat anything here, okay? But we'll, we'll, we'll see. The fourth one came. And, and he said, Hishlim, or possibly the fifth. Hishlim, it's over. Right away, he's over. He died. Omad v'cholatz tefillin. Rebekiva took his tefillin off. Chorus Bigodov did Kriya, and he said, said he said, Acheni so Ad Kana Yinu Chayovim. That's me. I'm Chayiv in Talmud Torah. Mikan ve'elech Onu Chayovim v'Chvodo Shomes. Now you could be Medayik from here that everybody, since Reb Shimon was a Talmud Chacham, the base Medrash should be Botel, or maybe he means the royal we. It's not clear. I would assume Rabbi Kiva didn't mean the yeshiva has to stop. Yeshiva should still go on. But Rabbi Kiva has to stop. And Rabbi Kiva has to be machabit his son that has died. But, as you can see from the next line, it sounds like Rabbi Kiva was asking everyone to be part of it. There was a huge group that came together to... to Engage in the bury of Rabbi of Rabbi Kiva's son. Omer lehem, He said, "I'm going with you, and take a chair out to the set, stand up on that chair, and be able to address." Especially when he saw that there were so many people that were coming to be part of the funeral. If we look in the Gemara Moed Katan. Bryce says that an Ovel cannot be involved in Shewa Shalom for the first three days. He's not supposed to respond, and he's not supposed to ask for the people who are coming in to give him the Chama how they are, or wish them that they should be well. So the Gemara asks, So here it sounds like that uh, they already was a huge amount of people. There was a big hesped. And then, when, Rebbe, when they were about to leave, well, you would think they would, you know, give, give Rebbe Kiva Nechama, but Rebbe Kiva instead stood on that chair that we saw he wanted to be brought out there. And it was a big chair. I want you to hear. So according to the 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 way it's brought down in Moed Koton, first of all, it was two children who died. It says Bon of Kiva. And here Rabbi Kiva was saying, even if my sons would be Hasanim, which would mean they weren't just people who were young, but they already had had 
families. They already had a wife, which makes the tragedy worse. Even if it had been a worse tragedy, I would feel nechama. Bishvil kavod shasisim. And because of the kavod that you have done, the kavod is giving me nechama. The kavod seemingly for now. What was the kavod? The kavod for them? He says, in bishvil akiva ba'asem. Are you coming before Akiva? Harekam Akiva Bishuk. There's many Akivas. Hmm. So why are you coming? It's not a personal thing. It's Taurus Alokov Belivo. In other words, you believe that as, as insignificant as I am, I've had the schus that the Torah is in my heart, or maybe was in their hearts. But it was for Torah, not personal. It was not me as a person. It was me as a receptacle, or my child, my children as receptacles of Torah. If that's what this is about, it's not a personal thing that we love you, but it's it's about the Torah. So you have tremendous schar for showing honor to Torah. It isn't just you made me feel good. You have done the mitzvah of honoring Torah. So that's what Rabbi Kiva said. So the Gemara answered, what's Rabbi Kiva? Rabbi Kiva being so uh, expansive, what's Rabbi Kiva getting so involved with them and giving them this bracha? An ovel is supposed to be quiet. He's supposed to not even be responsive. So the Gemara answers, well, because of so many people, because it was so much of Klal Yisrael, the rules are different. If you're sitting in your house and four or five people walk in, so you don't go in and ask them, you know, what's going on? How are you? I hope you're well. You're in Ovel the first three days. But it changes dramatically and completely if the Rabim show up. Okay. That's the Gemara and Maidkot. We find that, first of all, it was one son. And he says something a lot more I guess, startling, as he says. Achenu Yisrael, Shimu, lo shani chacham. I'm not such a chacham. Yesh kan chachamim many. There's bigger chachamim than Rabbi Akiva. Lo shani osher. Because there are bigger, there are richer people than me. We know Rabbi Kiva at the end of his life became quite wealthy. He said, Anche Dara Makirinus Rabbi Akiva. And we know that's where he found these Talmidim. The people in the south of Eretz Yisrael know me, but the rest of you don't really know me. Anche Gol Main Makirin. They don't really know me. Now, who really knows me? Men know me. Do women and children know me? Main. But you all are here. Hmm. So why are you here? It's been a pain for you to come here, to have so many people here, to push their way here. It's got to be that's, that's pretty much the same as what you see in Moed Cotton. But then he says, and then he says, even, he goes even further, not just if I had, this, these two were married, even if I had had seven that I had to bury. He says, then he says, don't think that I want to bury children. Loshan and Rotz look for his banav. I know that Shimon, and I, I somehow know now that I didn't know before 
that he was a ben olam haba. Why? Shazika sarabim. Because I see that so many people came because of him. And that's so many people were able to do this mitzvah. He's dead, but he was able to somehow create the spark. His death, again, he, Rabbi Kiva could have said it all, it's all because of him. <laughs> but Rabbi Kiva said, no, through him, he was the vehicle of all you people coming to be, even though learning was going on and learning stopped, but, you were, but he was Mazaka the Rabbin with this mitzvah of Kavadah Torah. Because if you do have, as the Mishnah Novo says, if you're Mizakis Harabim, then everything that the Rabbim does is Tolibo, as the Vilna Gon puts in the Girsa. And we know from the Mishnah Novos. And this is Rabbi Akiva, who seems to have been the author of this idea, that if you give the idea of learning to someone, or, or it's because of you that people are inspired, then you aren't really dead. That what happens is that what they do is as if you are doing it with them. And, of course, if you, if you cause people to sin, even after your death, the sins that they do, since you're their model, accrues to them. Moshe, of course, is the prime example. Because Moshe, what does it say? He, he lived a life. He taught Klal Yisrael. Everything we do, even today, as you can see, Sitkas Hashem also, Mishpat Avim Yisrael, that's the very last psukim in the Torah about what Moshe Rabbeinu did. What it means is that Klal Yisrael lives on, and whatever they do is this Moshe Rabbeinu Schus continues with every mitzvah Klal Yisrael has done. Below Od, Ella, he said, that it must be, since this was a great schus, it must be that my son was a tremendous zakai. Because if it's because of him this happened, it must be that I've learned something about him that I didn't know, that he must have been a tremendous, precious person in the first place for him to be the vehicle. And again, Rabbi Kiva quoted Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu was the person that the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim happened through him. It, he was the one that Matan Torah, the greatest event in human history, happened. It must be that God doesn't pick people unless they are worthy receptacles, vehicles for that. And therefore, it must be that his son was a great, great person in order for this event to have occurred because of him. Okay, that, that's what this... Now, Rav Gershon Edelstein was very familiar with this passage. And he referred to it a number of Tadarchi, whose grandfather was Olive from Yemen, and whose father, through incredible hard work, became a student in Ponovich and was part of the Kailan Ponovich um, and was Rav Gershon Edelstein's student in the first year Beis Medrash that Rav Gershon gave for so many years. His 14-year-old son died. And Rav Gershon took part in many ways in this funeral. When Yitzchak Darchi's father printed a sefer and to, to memorialize his son, 
the first part of the Sefer was the Hespedim that were said at his son's death. And Rav Gershon took the, was one of the prime speakers. Here's what Rav Gershon said. A young person has died. We know that a 14-year-old has very little Averos, especially this one. Why did this happen? He says, this is not normal. There must be a reason for it. As the Gemorring Suva speaks about when a young child died from one of the Amaroyim. Tshuva has to be done, but that's so simple. Rav Gershon said, we always hear platitudes. We hear divrei chizik, but they don't really work. The heart is closed. Human beings, by nature, become get a thicker skin. And the more they hear about death, the colder they become. What sort of emphasis, what sort of impetus can they have? What hisayers can they have? You can't just say the same things over again. You need to think. That's what God wants. God wants his boniness from us. We need to search our lives and, and do an analysis. We have to use our mus, our brains, like Rabbi Sol Salantar said, Bali Musa are not ridiculous idiots who just practice asceticism. They are brilliant who use, who point a laser-like beam of their mind towards their actions and towards their inner workings of what's going on within them. Quoting Rabbeinu Yonah, he says, it can't just be an idea. The idea has to become personal. It has to take shape. It has to be particular. It has to be sophisticated. Until you, there's change has happened. So Rav Gershon said that we know that this is something that's constant. It's something that's emotional and intellectual at the same time. Rav Gershon takes a source, and by asking a question in Talmudic fashion, he says, there's one Mishnah that says, you're not supposed to give Nechama when a, when a person's, the, 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 the person who has died is lying in front of you, lying in front of the, of the Ovel. Because it's Avelus, not Tanchumim. And yet, the story of Rabbi Akiva, in both of its iterations, indicates that Klal Yisrael was coming and was being maspid. Now they were being maspid even though shouldn't they wait for the was, was he buried already? Is that what was going on? At the Levaya, is that the time to start giving Nechama? Maybe the Levaya is the time to cry. What did Rabbi Kiva say based on the Gemara in Moit Kotten, the Braisa? He said, I'm Menuchem. You gave me Nechama. <laughs> Menuchem hu. So Nechama occurs. So that seems to go against the Mishnah Novos. So Rav Gershon answers. There's a difference. We're not supposed to offer Nechama. But the Ovel could get Nechama. He could get Nechama by how we are acting even though we're not supposed to articulate the words, you should get Nechama. But what was the Nechama? What was it? Just everybody showed up? What did that mean? 
So it was Kavad Atayra. So Rav Gershon says, we can't just rely on what it says in Mayid Koton. We need to go to Masech Tesmachos. And over there you can see that he said that I know that they are B'nai Olam Haba. They were Mezakeh the Rabim. How were they Mezakeh the Rabim? So he says, because there's, a, a, there's a, 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 a sort of illogical truth. We normally assume that when a person dies, that's it. It's over. His role in the world and what he's able to get schar is gone. He says that's not true. We know, for example, and Rabbi Kiva knew, that you can, as the Gemara speaks about, you can show covet to the mace. Covet to the mace isn't just, according to Rabbi Gershon Edelstein, a way for you to be more sensitive to what was, but there's actually a benefit to that soul that is no longer inhabiting the body the way it used to. Kavod can somehow accrue a sense of nachas to the neshama. And then he says that that, that obviously Rabbi Kiva knew that if such a great thing had happened, that it must be that there was such a outpouring. It must be that Rav Shimon himself, Rav Kiva's son, had great schuyos. The same, the Midos Tovas that they had. Now, Rav Gershon explains, when we say that Moshe Rabbeinu lives within all of us, even though the Gemara says in Shabbos that a mace is chavshi from mitzvos, and that essentially you're just in stasis, you're not growing. But a change happens. As much as a person's ledger is iron and set in stone, there's still alterations that occur. And that comes from mitzvahs that people will do based on stories, based on being inspired, based on what they remember of that person. And if an act was done for the sake of that person, so all the mitzvahs and positive things accrue to that soul even after it's dead. And Rav Gershon says, it's considered shahu oiso samba'atzmo. It's like that person is doing them, even though he's no longer in this world, because they wouldn't have happened without him. That's what Rabbi Akiva said. Now, Rav Gershon goes out on a limb here, and he says, even though they died young, this event makes it seem to me, Rav Akiva meant, according to the way Rav Gershon explains it, that it was worth for them to go into that world because now they've got a tremendous scar. Whatever Rav Shimon was, or if it was two of them, two children, it seems like the on, a, the, on, on the gargantuan scale that occurs after their death, that Kavadah Torah, they weren't necessarily acting in, 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 in such an amazing fashion that has occurred now. Because now it turned out that because of them, 
because of only in their death, look how many people are coming to do these Maisim Tovim. And therefore, even though they are no longer alive, there's still the schus of the mitzvah is accruing to them. So what are you going to tell me? They're, 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 they're stuck where they are? They're, they're no longer holech? They're no longer viable? They're no longer vibrant? There is a certain spiritual vibrancy that's occurring. And this is what Rabbi Kiva meant. They're still holchim. One of the things that Rabbi Akiva said, according to um, the Mesech Tesmachos, is that they are b'nei olam haba. Rav Gershon explains what that term means, because we know there's another term. There's another term called chelek. Rav Gershon explains the difference based on a very famous Gemara in Tainus. We know that Rav Bruka Chuzah was in the Shuk, and he saw Ilyo Anavi, and he asked, is anyone here in the Shuk that's a Ben Olam Haba? Now, they didn't ask who has a Chelek in Olam Haba, but who is the Ben Olam Haba? So Gershon explains things, and I haven't seen it explained exactly this way. He says, we know, if we take the, the worldly manifestation of a governmental system. You have the king, you have someone right below the king who takes care of many duties, and he's he's the, the technically he's the one who, who commands all the various lieutenants of the various sections of what the king's government is about. And then you have those lieutenants, and you have people who work in their offices. And then you have people who actually don't have a lieutenant's badge or work for that lieutenant, but they are involved in cleaning the place. They're the ones who actually sweep, the ones who wash the floors. They work in the palace. They work in the seat of government. In a, in a, in a wonderfully run government, in a honest, true government, Everyone would be happy. Everyone has a chalik. Even the one who doesn't have much power, but knows his job is to come at the end of the day with the pail and, and, and pour the water onto the marble floor of the king. Even though he's not like the king's son who actually eats with the king. But still, right? The king is responsible for his paycheck. And this gives him the ability to come in every day and do what he knows is an important job. And he's happy that that's the job that he has. However, the biggest hana is, of course, to be the son of the king. That you're on the king's table, you eat with him constantly, you see him all the time. So he says, of course, there are people, every Jew has a chalik in Olamabo. No matter what their job is, but they know they're not on the highest level, but they realized that, right? They realize where, what, what they're doing. Everyone knows that they've done Averis. We can't be all B'nai Olam Haba. We can have a Chalik. And there are Averis we know can stop us. Now, Rav Gershon describes how it's done. 
um, how you do that through Yisurim, through Musr, and other things. Um, now, Rabbi Kiva said about his children, his child, that they were B'nai Olam Haba. Right? How does that happen? He says, a mace doesn't have any Hana, physical Hana. But Kavod can relate to even someone who's not here. Rav Gershon quotes the Psak and Shulchan Aruch that we give tzedakah on Yom Kippur for people who have passed away. The Shulchan Aruch says they get kapara on Yom Kippur for what? They're not alive. What are they getting kapara for? What sort of things, like how does it help? How does giving tzedakah for them help? So Rav Gershon says that it helps that when we do something because of our, whether it's Yom Kippur or Yisker, and we remember our parent, and we remember the person who passed away, and we think about that person, and we clarify who they are, and, and we are moved because of them. So once again, their death is what pushes us to be better. And whatever we do, even though they've done nothing, he says, their death has caused these actions. Now, where do you see this? He says, well, you, again, Rav Gershon, like a real Balmusser, finds, like a Yisrael Salanter Balmusser, says we find it in the in Halach in the Torah, of Shikha. There's a mitzvah of Shikha. But the mitzvah is, you don't, what did you do for it? You forgot the bundle in the field, and Aniyam came and took it. You didn't know anything about it. You still get a brocha. <laughs> the brocha is Laman Yivarecha Hashem Hashem gives you brochas for your forgetfulness. Why? What, what caused the chesed? You're forgetting. <laughs> what did you do? You didn't do it was Shalai Bekavona. But obviously, you're happy. You're happy with that mitzvah. You're happy you forgot. <laughs> You're not unhappy that it was taken. So therefore, you see from there, you don't need to be consciously involved for the schar to happen. You can't just, again, the Torah squashes the cold logic of rationalists who say once a person is dead, you can't do things for them. You can't do mitzvahs for them. You can't do schusim schuyos for them. Right again, uh, Slifkin wrote a whole uh, essay, you know, debunking what he thought was this idea. But Rav Gershon Edelstein, based on the Mesechtas Smochos, based on the Halachos and the Mitzvahs and the Torah, refuses to accept that. Based on the the words in the Gemara that says there's Yikra de Shchivi, that there's a kavod that's given to the mace. The mace does something happens even though he's physically dead. And that's what he says, that it's not just when you give tzedakah, well, if he would be here, he'd give tzedakah. Because you're giving it based on him. You want to live up to who your parent was. You want to inspire yourself based on your young son who died before his time. He did nothing. But we know his soul is alive. And we know that soul is happy with what is going on. And therefore, he says, 
That's what it means that a hespid is yikra deshkive. It's a kavod to the ones who have died. Now, you could say the hespid himself, well, we're all here. And that's what it was in the case of Rabbi Kiva, in a way, because they all came. And that, of course, is a big mitzvah. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than the fact that we all did this big mitzvah, being mechabed Torah. It has to be that, as Rabbi Gershon says, that we actually use that to make changes in our lives. And with that, there's a tremendous nachas ruach. And as he says, one can gain that by learning about the person who has died. Learning it, and, and by learning about who that person was, we can model, in some respects, our behavior from him. And that causes a real effect for that person's neshama. And he says, Ad sof I will say that if you read a little bit about Rav Gershon Edelstein, how given over he was to saying Tyra, no matter what, as we all saw the pictures from the hospital, the shear doesn't stop. The connections to students, reading about his life and being inspired by him, inspired by his modesty, inspired by his thinking, inspired by his even in the face of adversity and the death of his own child and the type of physical embarrassments that were heaped upon him and yet his still loving, giving nature, his respect for others, the way he spoke and advised. I hope it should be an inspiration. I hope that by listening to what we're saying tonight, we can use Rav Gershon's ideas to understand what Rabbi Kiva meant despite the terrible loss of not having a manig, that we can realize that the schus harabim tolibo and enochinami, you know, ad seif koladeiros, we can somehow affect these changes, alterations in ways that God understands. This will be a, a great schus for a neshama that was zochet to be with us for so long, as Rav Gershon himself said, that he will not be an Omeid, but who continued to be Holech on Bias Goel Tzedek. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.